Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast, brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, and Orvis Fly Fishing. The past few years, I've been able to travel more and see some pretty amazing places and meet some even better people. This past Thanksgiving, I got the chance to spend some time fishing for trout with my father and some of our friends at the Cahutta Fishing Company in Blue Ridge, Georgia. This little town is located near the state's northern border, and it has become one of our favorite quick getaways. In this podcast, I sit down with Drew Frederick and Matt Morrison and discuss how they try to help best develop anglers. We also dive into how to make the most out of visiting Blue Ridge, including a few restaurant recommendations and a karaoke bar. We hope that you enjoy our time together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. Beep, 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 beep. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. Well, awesome. Hey guys, thanks for making some time today. We're pre-Thanksgiving and we're hanging out in Blue Ridge, Georgia. I'm on a father-son pre-Thanksgiving fishing trip. Excited to head out with Matt tomorrow and do a little float trip here. But uh, we wanted to carve out just a little bit of time today to sit down with some of our friends at Cahutta Fly Fishing Company. Uh, round two sitting down here in this dungeon. In this, <laughs> <laughs> in this fly tying dungeon where they got a fake, fake window behind me to try to disorient you. Um, but man, what a, what a great place, what a beautiful city. And I'm, I'm looking forward to having you guys on. Can you guys just give a quick introduction of kind of who you are and what you do here at Cahutta? We'll start oh. with Matt. <laughs> hey, I'm Matt Morrison. I'm one of the guides here at Cahutta Fishing Company. I'm Drew Friedrich. I am the guide service manager and I also guide for uh, Cahutta Fishing Company. So when people get mad and they ask to speak to the manager, that would be me. That's who, who <laughs> yeah. Talk them off the edge. <laughs> So give me, give me a little bit, let's start with you, Matt, but just give me a little bit of background of how does somebody become a a fishing guide at an outfitter in Blue Ridge, Georgia? Yeah. You know, it was kind of, it's kind of one of those things I never really expected to do. Like I I didn't think about really my whole life till all of a sudden I was kind of, you know, how about being a fishing guide? And I was fishing a lot. Um, and kind of just walked into cut a fishing company didn't really instantaneously go in there and be like hey you hiring but was talking with connor the old manager and um was kind of talking to him just about fishing you know just really just talking and um kind of just asked hey you know i've kind of just came in kind of looking to get into get into industry and uh you know he was kind of he kind of liked i guess what i was talking about and mm-hmm. You know, yeah, man, just sent a resume, and, uh, you know, a few weeks later, came in, started working in the Blue Ridge shop, 
and uh, would go down and help out in Cartersville every now and then. So for you, did you start fishing as a kid, or how did you get into it? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Chattanooga, um, fishing like Lake Chickamauga over there for bass. Um, grew up on the lake, you know, would go out there in the afternoons, just you know, bass, plastic worms, really just whatever. And uh, started out doing that when I was pretty young, and, you know, Chattanooga sits in a valley. There's a bunch of little creeks and stuff over there. And um, learned to fly fish when I was pretty young. I think I was like eight or nine. Um, really just learned to cast didn't really know any of the fishing side of it besides you know just casting out a woolly bugger and stripping it back um getting bluegill to hit little dry flies or nymphs you know just doing that and over the years doing that you know you just kind of start building the skill base with the cast and presentation kind of stuff and with all those creeks over there they're super clear water creeks and you know there's they're full of bass and sunfish and just go out there and mess around with them and did started doing so much of that and really uh I didn't really start trout fishing a ton till I could drive. I'd go on maybe a vacation every now and then, um, maybe up to the mountains and fish like Teleco, mm-hmm. places like that. Um, and would uh, kind of trout fish a little bit. Still, you know, I'd bring a rooster tail or something with me and a fly rod with me. You know, I was still mm-hmm. pretty young. And when I could drive, that's when I really started messing around with trout on a fly rod and just kept doing it. And didn't really think about being a guide till I was working nights at UPS and had so much, you know, I had weekends off and the days off. So mm-hmm. I would, I'd drive up and go fish for a bit and was doing that a lot. And that's when I, you know, started getting pretty good at it and was teaching all my friends how to do it too. Like mm-hmm. my dad didn't know how to do it. My, my, none of my friends knew how to do it. And so I was kind of just, you know, kind of taught them and brought them along with it with me. I had two friends that really kind of, really kind of started liking it. And, uh, kind of just was going off on weekends and stuff on my own fishing and uh and kind of ended up here that's yeah. when i decided to make the choice so you're doing ups night night chest what did that look like hard it sucked <laughs> what i mean you just <laughs> unloading was, boxes from yeah basically to... moving boxes from a conveyor belt into a truck you'd get three trucks and and pack them as tight as you can really how what are the hours like on a night uh, it was usually like 11 to eight or nine. And then like Sundays were like, a, uh, like nine to nine, something like that. And, uh, when it pretty much was going there to be a UPS truck driver. Um, yeah. and, uh, kind of glad I, glad I went ahead and made the decision to switch. Um, I, I didn't like working nights at all. I'd say the biggest plus with that was being able to actually, you know, go, go fish in the morning when you got off or, you know, you'd have the weekends and, uh, really just uh kind of kind of hated it to be honest with you <laughs> yeah but i, I kind of wanted that, something different yeah i bring that up though because i've met people that work nights mm-hmm. and it opened up a really good opportunity for them to learn fisheries yeah. but i've always been curious how people manage their time and sleep it's, so i mean you just it's terrible sleeping during the day you just feel you feel bad yeah <laughs> you, know, you get but you would go fish and then sleep like lunch to work or something like that yeah or, yeah like i'd i'd probably Usually how I would do it is either I would go fish a creek. I lived like 10 minutes from a, a smallmouth creek and would go mess around with those. And uh, I'd, I'd go do that for a couple hours and sleep. Or I would go home and sleep a little bit. And then I would just go fish. Like if it was a weekend or something, I'd go home, sleep. And then I'd just go fish. I'd run. Like mm-hmm. especially once I could once I could drive, that's when I would spend some time. Like I'd go up to hawassi river and go fish it for the last half of the day or so because you can't really you don't really have time to make you know an hour and a half two hour drive somewhere to Mm -hmm. go fish for trout 
uh, you know, whenever you're working nights. And, and so I'd really just do that on the weekends and wait around where I could really. Mm-hmm. Who, who taught you to fish? Because you said later on you are kind of teaching your dad the fly side of yeah. things. but So, like, my dad, he – he bass fished a lot so like we really we'd just go out there with like plastic worms and stuff you know we'd go out not always catch fish but maybe maybe one two on a good day more but um it it really just got me into fishing like one of my first memories of fishing and this is probably what's kept me into it for so long was just catching like a a eight pound bass off of his dock Mm -hmm. when i was little that was one of my first fishing memories um and kind of just always stuck with always like going fishing he had a bass boat so we'd go in it every now and then um but uh like once i kind of learned like what fly fishing was about and kind of learned what trout were just they were just such a cool looking fish that i thought you know i was like man i want to catch one of those Mm -hmm. and um went to this camp that's where i learned how to do the cast and basically they would teach you how to do the cast and take you to a pond Mm -hmm. um and eventually like finally went somewhere where there were trout and and fished and you know caught my first trout and it was like a little little brown trout and been obsessed ever since you know yeah and it's kind of cool hearing you talk about the camp because i know you guys got some schools here that you do Mm kind of similar and we'll we'll dive into that a little bit but before we do that drew give me the rundown how does how how does somebody become a uh, fly fishing guide service manager (laughs) yeah so kind of the same little story. I didn't wake up one uh, morning when I was little and was like, man, I want to be a fishing guide. You kind of just fall right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up fishing my entire life. It was kind of my grandpa obviously taught me how to fish with like a bobber and a worm, mm-hmm. whether it was at a, up in New York on Cuca uh, Lake or down in Captiva fishing with pinfish. Um, but if you go back and look at pictures of me with the, as a little kid, Nine times out of ten, I'm fishing or holding a fish. Um, And I grew up on the Etowah River, which is down in Cartersville. Um, And I grew up fishing for striper and spotted bass out there. And I think I was 14 or 15. um, I saw somebody fly fishing. I was like, man, that looks crazy. I want to try that. So I got a rod set. I got got an eight-weight setup because I was fishing for bass and striper. And uh, it was right in my parents' backyard. I could go out any time I wanted. And um, we'd go fish for a striper and spotted bass. And when I caught that first striper, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is awesome. What, what, what was? Give me the story there. What was going on? So I used to kayak down to this little creek down river from my parents, probably about a quarter of a mile. Um, and I would catch a bunch of hybrids during that certain time of year in this one certain spot. And one day I was kayaking down there, and um, there's a boat there. And I was like, oh, man, somebody beat me to it. And uh, I start fly fishing a little bit up creek of that. And uh, dude was like, hey, man, you got a nice cast. Uh you ever been to Cahutta before? And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I've been in there a couple times to get some flies. And I was like, you ever been there? And he's like, yeah, I own it. My <laughs> name's Andy. And that's how I met Andy. And ever since then, we've been knowing each other from the river. Um, and there's a little time where I moved out to Colorado, and I worked at the Stanley Hotel as a busboy. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, anytime I wasn't working, I'd go fishing Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, and I was really saving up money to go to um, Montana for this guide school. Um, and then I, I got into that, and Andy heard about it. And he called me, and he's like, yeah, man, if you're, uh, you're interested in coming to work here, we, we'd love to have you. And, of course, I was, like, all about it because mm-hmm. that was the only store I'd ever go into if I wasn't working. Um, and then ever since then, it's been almost eight years now, I've, uh, I've been with Cahutta and yeah. haven't looked back. So, you know, I talked to whenever I interviewed Andy, I don't know, probably a, a year and a half ago, um, you know, it's interesting because not a lot of people think of Georgia as a fly fishing destination. I mean, Blue Ridge is beautiful. People obviously come here for tourism and vacation. But for you, when, you, when you're chasing opportunities to go somewhere like a Montana or Colorado or somewhere more iconic, what, what's so special that really brought you back here instead of chasing that down? To be totally honest with you, it was the striper. The striper is what really brought me back. However... You've got trout here. You're not far from the coast. You can go fish for redfish. Um, it's really kind of like a good place to be if you don't want to have to fly everywhere for these different species. Because I mean, what well, it's, I mean, it's a long drive, but it's like ten hours down catch tarpon. Or if you want to go to Apalachicola, how long is that drive from here? Not too bad. Six and a half, maybe. Yeah, so it's you're just in the center of everything. You can go do anything, whether it's trout, salt water, mm-hmm. anything like that. I like redfish a lot, so I'll go down to South Carolina um, to fish for those. But yeah, you got a bunch of different things. Smallmouth is pretty close. Um, yeah, we got musky in certain areas. It's just got a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So my dad's sitting here at the table too on the podcast and he was the one that kind of arranged this, this drift trip that we're doing tomorrow just because we were coming nearby. We're not having Thanksgiving here, but we're, we're not too far. Um, I'm curious, like talk me through a, the, a progression of somebody kind of hitting up, uh, hitting you up for the first time. Let's say that they've never fished before. Give me a walkthrough on how you guys do things here at Cahutta to try to get everybody ready to go and, and set up on the perfect path. Yeah, man. So basically it starts with uh, somebody calling the shop. Hey, we want to book a trip. And then you kind of feel them out from there. Are they looking to get into it or are they looking to just go have fun? Mm-hmm. So um, I, our private weights and our float trips really are, they're both fun, but mm-hmm. one's a little bit more easier than the other. Now, um, obviously private water, you can catch bigger fish, but that doesn't, deter from the fact that you can catch really big fish on the Tacoa. Um, Matt has been doing really good on the Tacoa lately, and he'll tell you there's some really big browns and rainbows in there. Um, but as far as, like, beginner stuff, we'll tell them that you can do that private water trip, get them into it, and then we offer that on the water school if they're really into it. And that's where they'll learn and make that learning curve a little bit easier for them instead of developing better or bad, more bad habits. Um, and then they kind of go off from there by themselves and figure everything out and see what they like to do, whether it's trout or bass or redfish, snooky, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, that's Matt taught me through, taught me through the perfect drift day. So 
Drew's got them all dialed in. He's taught them how to cast. He's taught them everything they need to know down here in the dungeon. <laughs> so one, one of the bigger differences from, let's say, like a private wade or like a creek trip um, versus a float is you kind of get more into that, you know, that overhead false casting. Um, and so teaching some, really, you know, trying to dial somebody's false cast in, a lot of times maybe even teaching them how to shoot line. Um that way you can get them to hit specific targets. Um, there's not really much, you know, water load casting from a drift boat as opposed to like when you're in a small creek, you almost are forced to do that. Mm -hmm. That water load cast because you've got all these trees around. Um, even, you know, if there's not a tree right behind you, there's probably some, there's probably some branches overhanging somewhere. Um, and so typically like that water load cast hanging downstream, lift up, drive forward, and, and you're, you're out there. In a drift boat, you know, you're almost forced to really do that, that overhand false cast. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of also one of those people's next step. Mm -hmm. um, teaching, you know, going from that, that water load cast, they really feel kind of what that rod's supposed to feel like. Feel that rod load up with the line and then uh, having that line, like almost that loop layout mm -hmm. for you. Whenever you, now the next step is you're kind of teaching them how to do that overhead cast, watching them actually throw these loops. And that's one really cool thing about it is, especially if it's someone you've taken before, maybe on a private wade, um, and then take them to a float, you've kind of got them doing the whole thing now. Um, you know, and, and watching them really throw like a nice loop with that false cast is really cool, especially if it's someone you've taken before. Um, and so, and then also with that, having them be able to get accuracy down, hitting specific targets. You know, you're not just casting the same distance over and over, teaching them, hey, you've made that drift, let's go ahead and, you know, cast a couple feet further, you know, try to hit that next next little zone. Um, and that's one really cool thing that's about it, um, mm -hmm. especially when you get those, you get someone that's done a private wade or maybe a private wade and then an on-the-water school. Because um, especially in the on-the-water schools, you're teaching, you know, the whole thing. Um, but when it comes to that float trip, you're, you, you know, you're kind of putting everything together, um, mm -hmm. that false cast, catching fish, um, as well as like the mending and everything else that you've already built upon with that private wave. Now, what time are we getting out there tomorrow? We'll probably meet about nine o'clock tomorrow. Oh, um, nice. All right. But, and you got, neither one of you guys drink coffee. Are you guys part of a cult or? <laughs> yeah, we're part of that Celsius cult. Yeah. I like Celsius yeah. too, man. But it's kind of cold. I don't. That's all right. You got to embrace it. Yeah, that's just a little, just a little out there for me to be honest with you. But I'll have, <laughs> I'll have my coffee and beer and all that stuff. Um, so we we go down nine o'clock. We're gonna we're gonna launch in this in this river, and we're doing an eight hour, so mm -hmm. full day trip. Yep. Um, packing some Cuban sandwiches from mm -hmm. what's the place called? Rum, Rum cake, cake lady. Rum cake uh, lady. Awesome. Is that a, is that the name of the restaurant or is that just oh, what dude, call it? Oh, dude, that's what it's called. And mm -hmm. make sure you get extra cheese on it. Okay extra cheese because they yeah. don't do it right the, the normal way or that's what you're saying that's about exactly her. what i'm saying <laughs> i like that thing I cheesy not listening okay now we're 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 showing up you got you got the gear you got everything we're gonna do a little bit of nymph maybe dry fly if it's warm mm -hmm. enough some throwing streamers um you were talking to me earlier about you really love doing the whole streamer game yeah and that's something that i have basically no experience and i've done it a couple times but yeah. no, no experience in it talk me through that a little bit i'd say maybe the biggest biggest difference with the you know streamers for trout versus maybe some salt water is you got flies that are built there you know they're bulky they've got heads that push water and they're mm. built to kind of swim you mm. know and and that's one thing especially when you've got current involved being able to try to make that fly swim when you've got something that 
a bulky head that pushes water when you strip it you know it almost maybe kind of wobbles to one side or the other mm-hmm. you can either make them look like injured bait fish or something that's fleeing um you know it's just something you know garner garner said this one one thing that was it's almost like playing with a cat and a piece of string you know mm-hmm. um and uh you know it's it's really getting that right wiggle to it and but also along with getting that fly to swim correctly it's also placement of it you know getting that fly near that log so a fish can see it or near that boulder mm-hmm. or deep enough into a, a channel where a fish can really notice it um which there's like one stretch right now that i would streamer fish just because I, i've seen mm-hmm. swimming around in there and it's pretty it's one of those it's like it's tough to kind of read the water but if you like kind of pinpoint some of that brush with streamers it can be it can be fun you may see something really cool Mm -hmm. so this time of year you know november it's this morning i think it was 29 degrees at the airbnb that i was at but by you know afternoon it's pretty it's warm yeah pretty good and everything what what's your fishing season look like right now and then when did when did the stripers come in and drew if he doesn't know what he's talking about as the guide <laughs> manager you can hop in but you know what what's this season look like in blue ridge yeah i mean right now you're really just looking at trout um uh, especially in the Tacoa. uh right now you've got brown trout starting to spawn um you know haven't been seeing a ton of reds on the river but been seeing just a little bit of activity just where places that look like they've been fanned off by a fish or something but nothing like real like okay that yeah that's a that's a trout on a red or anything like that um and so the browns this time of year they just get fired up um you know uh maybe packing on a little bit of weight before the spawn you know they get really aggressive as far as like being territorial Mm -hmm. getting something you know hey you need to get out of my way um a lot of times that's kind of what you're looking for is a reaction bite um i 50 of the eats on streamers a lot of times it's right when you smack it down and usually that's you smacked it down right on its head and that that thing kind of looks up and it's just just an aggressive eat just slaps it on the surface Mm -hmm. um and so, uh, but I mean, it's been been pretty decent out there. We got, it was kind of warm a week or two ago, uh, especially for like this time of year. It's almost touching the 80s, which is pretty pretty hot for this time of year here. Um, and now it's like back down in the 40s, and I think tomorrow it might even get in the 50s. So it might be a little bit warmer day, um, which can cause some more bugs to come off, which will be nice. Yeah. For, for you as the striper enthusiast, well, when's that popping off the most? So that really starts in um, early May, those bigger spawning fish push mm-hmm. up the river, and that, that's down in Cartersville. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're full of eggs, and you can go catch a really big one. You're really hunting that one big one. Mm-hmm. Then there's a like a two-week period where they're spawning, and they don't eat anything. Mm-hmm. But then after that, basically all the way up to August is that – the water temperature starts to warm up mm-hmm. the end of July, and it kind of shuts them down a little bit. But those, prim, like the primo months, I would say is June and July. Right. Um, so not right now, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're in brown trout. Yeah, right now. And uh, like on, on a on a good drift trip for you, do you make decisions about targeting larger fish or numbers, or is it all the it, same? I mean, how does that? It work really depends. Head? Like lately. I've been using like just a big stone, keeping a big stone fly on my rig and then using what's working off the back of that. You'll catch some smaller rainbows on that, on that back fly. And then usually I'm keeping that, that, you know, stone fly on there. That past two big fish I've had out there have eaten the stone fly. Okay. 
Um, so it's so kind of one of those you, mm-hmm. you you leave it on there and and kind of yeah. you know you you throw that in enough holes you'll it'll. But get geographically, easy. you're not doing anything different, right? Is uh, that, not really. You know that. Yeah. You know, a lot of especially it depends on the weather. Some some of the some days you'll find some of those big fish just out and about. You know, mm-hmm. kind of moving around. You may spook them with the boat. You may, and then there's days where, you know, you're not seeing them at all, but you're still catching those smaller fish. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the fish have been, you know, pushed around. But those big fish, they're, they're just kind of acting a little bit different. You know, they're they're either trying to tuck away or they're out and about feeding. Mm-hmm. Back to me visualizing our day tomorrow. Talk, talk to me about your boat and how you have it set up. Uh, so I actually just got this boat this past September, which right. is, it came in just in time for, for being busy in the fall. Um, I had a Clackacraft LP. It was Andy's boat starting out. And so this is my first season in my own boat, which is, which is really nice. Um, main thing I got that boat for was, a I'm a, I'm a tall dude, you know, I'm about <laughs> six, four. Um, that's a boat you can fit mm-hmm. me with a cooler in front of me and the clacky. You can't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's been a lot nicer on that aspect, but also the Tacoa is generally a shallow river, um, you know. So skiff style boats really work out pretty well, um, being able to kind of sneak through some of those riffles or mm-hmm. you know little rock gardens that's out there. Um, I like to tell people it's like you can just barely get a boat down this thing, uh, besides like a raft. Um, and so having that you know extra inch of clearance is is really nice. And so mm-hmm. I've loved it so far. Um, but that and also. It's nice open layout you know it's nice to be able to have your boat bags you know to your left or right instead of right in front of you do you take drew out a lot just to try to get brownie points with he, him so he hadn't even been in the boat yet. i he haven't been in his boat i have not been in his boat yet oh man he's just kind of more of a sitting on the dock with a <laughs> yeah. got my corn. my cane pole out but uh you know so going going into this i think for me um it's kind of like growing up in Florida, you know, I would come up with my dad to, uh, you know, a couple areas around Pigeon Forge and would do like the smallmouth thing, which I really liked on conventional tackle with like top water and, you know, different types of crankbait type things. And then we would sometimes do, he would always do fly fishing kind of up in the streams and in the parks and stuff. And I did that a little bit, but for somebody from Florida, you know, like we're, we love to fish. We get a chance to fish in a lot of different environments because our sp- different species are coming through. You're in different water depths. You're in different, you got different tides. Sometimes you're over sand and sometimes you're in, you know, Spartina grass and all this stuff. And so you, you get, cut your teeth down in salt water and you come up here and, um, I, I hung out with Andy after we recorded and we snuck on a little, little Creek for 30, 40 minutes. And I had a huge trout come up and I just, when I went to strip set him and just snapped them right off instantly (laughs) and uh you know so from my background you know it's grew up and have fished my whole life you know dad worked fwc and guides so you know got a good base on me and i come up here and you know i'm working with people who are teaching me as somebody who has a fishing background but i'm guessing that most people that you guys are working with here you know they're going from ground zero what's the breakdown this is probably a better question for drew what's the breakdown between people who are traveling here with a good fishing foundation and they just want to do something different and you know hi i you know walked by the store and i thought this might be a fun thing to do yeah so you kind of said it i would what would you say like 75 percent of the people we have mm-hmm. are from florida okay um so they are used to catching those bigger okay stronger fish really um so yeah that happens a lot where 
we get somebody on a big trout and it breaks them off because we're using like four pound test mm-hmm. um you really got to let those fish run because if you don't and you treat them like a bass and they'll break off nine times out of ten um but from people that are looking to get into it and people that are doing it more of like oh i'm on vacation i want to go fishing um they really kind of start off in the same spot if they have never fly fished before or really fly fished for trout because it's totally different um so yeah we just take them out and get them trained up and dangerous enough to mm-hmm. get out there and really if you're like me i'm one of those people that you can throw all the information at me you can mm-hmm. but if i'm not actually doing it then i'm not going to remember any of it so uh we give them all a little rundown at the beginning and then it's really repetitive in the way that you're casting so naturally if you're doing it correctly and you keep doing it you're just going to get a little bit better and sometimes it takes a couple fish um before they're like okay i need to really do this next time um and then i it's hard to say how many people have not caught a fish and been like i don't like this because they all love it so um they get addicted instantly almost you know drew one of the things we've been coming here to cohut probably three i think three years we've been kind of Mm -hmm. been coming up this way and one of the things that really interests me is like it you know you have the shop with all the stuff in it and you have this opportunity to bring people along Mm -hmm. you know you have the schools you take somebody out there you give them a guided trip they enjoy the experience they want to get more involved in it you know, as a guide on saltwater, a lot of times people get on our boats and we fish them and we try to teach them a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we have the time. But you can pull up the different leaders and tippets and fly lines. You have them right here in the store. You can go through that process and create a pretty good base of information to help bring them along before mm-hmm. they develop a lot of bad habits. That really appeals to me from our dealings with Kahoda. Because you have the shop, you got the guide service, he's doing international travel. How many guides do you all have working here? Seven. Seven? Something like that. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like seven. Oh, I, that just appeals to me, you know, because uh, somebody says, man, how do I get into that? You mm-hmm. know, if they get on my boat, I can give them a little bit of this, and can, I can talk about a little bit about that, but really I don't have time to get into the details where you all have that kind of worked out through the schools. That's, yeah. I mean – that's encouraging to me. The pace is different too, because you're waiting in the water with somebody, and you got a nice little section of water you're reading. All right, all right, let's try that again. Whereas, like, we're like, okay, here's a double haul. Okay, no, that's not it. Okay, there's a fish at ten. He's at ten thirty nine. He's at eleven. He's out of range. Don't worry about it. We'll find another one for you. You know, yeah. it's very interesting too, because like Hunter came up here and told you about that big fish he had. He strip set on. Mm-hmm. You know, on the I coast. That's exactly what I was supposed to do. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's what we say down but, there. Yeah. You strip, set, and pray. That's yeah. what we say on tarpon. Strip, set, and pray. Don't do but, that tomorrow. <laughs> no. It's, we do the opposite I thing. We say day. we get on people for trout set, mm-hmm. you know, with a big fish. But it's just very interesting. And, and I think what's really cool to me, and I mean, I've caught a lot of fish and feel very blessed about that, what I do. But I still love a, a mountain trout on a dry fly. Oh yeah, it's a. It's he a doesn't have to be or a brook, a little brook. Oh yeah. Anytime you see furious, him come up and eat something oh, off the gosh, surface, yeah. it fires you up. Every and sometimes off. you get several multiple shots at them. You know, you'll, they'll come up and they'll miss. And I found that in the past, especially getting older, that it takes me a couple of days a lot of times just to get right on my sets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my a, reaction a time delay. is down. 
yeah and and my my reaction time down and uh and like and if these fish if that water's low and you got to go with smaller tippet you know you can break that that tip is so easy if you don't do it right you know mm-hmm. but i enjoy it i i told hunter one time if i could leave you anything it would be dry fly fishing trout in the mountains because it's beautiful it's beautiful where you're at the, the experience the, how you have to pace yourself you know so you know i mean it's cool it tarpons off and, mm-hmm. but man that, that trout's got something special to it too man so you know i think that's a cool thing oh yeah it's it's sweet and back to what you're saying too it's nice um to take people out and realize that they're getting interested into it and then bring them back into the shop and get them all set up with everything they need to use um we have a lot of people that just started fly fishing a couple years ago now they travel with us to louisiana Mm -hmm. or baja mexico Mm -hmm. the bahamas Mm -hmm. um and it's really cool to see their progress through it where they started off originally and then to where they're at now because like i said everybody gets addicted to it and it's some people more than others um so many people are intimidated by it Mm -hmm. you know i mean i was a kid when i had a fly rod the first time and i had a little sponge spider and i was on a lake and it was cool but it can be intimidating you know when you start talking about all the different you know we make it complicated it's just fishing oh yeah you know, there's some skill level involved in it, and you can get better, and you can bring yourself as far as you want to bring yourself, but it's still just fishing, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of a cool thing to – what I like about this whole setup is that, you know, when you talk about something, I mean, we're, we're kidding about the dungeon, but what a cool place, man, just down here below the shop, the wood, the pictures, the memories, the bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also so cool that you can take somebody up there and say, you know, when we talk about – you know, this kind of a fly, this is it. You want to talk about a size 22? You want to talk about an 8, a 6? Look, you know, you want to talk about tipping materials, ways to carry things. So you can kind of take a person from, man, this is cool. I've always dreamed about doing it to really having a deep understanding of the, everything used in it. Mm-hmm. For sure. I like that. Yeah, I, I like coming into a different fishing culture, too, on the freshwater thing. Like, y'all's beards are a little more groomed. <laughs> they look a little nicer. Yeah. You guys like stickers more. What's the, let's put, all right, what's the over-under, what do you think? How many stickers does Drew have on his truck right now? I think he got probably four. Four? Uh, uh, including yeah. the rod vault, maybe like eight. All right. I, I bet he doesn't have Matt. any coffee stickers. No coffee no, no stickers. Coffee. Coffee. All right. How many does Matt have on his? <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> Man, I was trying to make. It better be a Kohuta. It better be a Kohuta. It's amazing sticker. that there's not more vehicle accidents with fresh freshwater trout guys with how many stickers they put on the back of their car. Oh I mean, yeah. They got if they buy a product, there's like. If they buy a pair of snippers, they're going to have a sticker about their snippers. On the <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If they drink a cup of coffee somewhere, they're going to have that coffee shop sticker. So that's just like, and I mean, that's in the saltwater scene too and in the fishing community. But it is fun to get around folks who are shaped a little differently. You know, the primary leaders and some of the brands are different. The, you know, the materials used are obviously different. And I I think it's really fun to just immerse myself in a different little bit of a a different culture and community and enjoy and try to learn from what are some of those things that have really shaped mountain people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I do love Georgia, too. I'm curious, you know, you were talking about when you take a client who because you guys so in, in the saltwater game, 
maybe if you have a, a team of guides as a client progresses, they might get a chance to get openings and opportunities with more experienced high guides who are higher up in the pecking order. But for, you know, there are some saltwater fly shops and saltwater outfitter shops that have full service just like here. But for you, I'm curious as because you guys get to walk with people through so many different environments and fishing settings on y'all's end, you can sit down on a whiteboard and say, here's what we do to try to help people get from, I've never casted a fly rod to a rooster, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious, like what's the DNA of a client or a person who you meet them and you spend a little time with them and you go, this person is going to progress and do well. What are like some of the DNA markers that you guys see? Yeah. So I would say, honestly, is somebody that's willing to listen. Um, cause you get it a lot of times where you have somebody that's, cause I'm 27. How old are you, Matt? 24. 24. That is a little bit older than us and have like, let's say background in bass fishing. Mm-hmm. All right. With conventional rods. Um, and cause they're a little bit older than you, they're not really, they want to just kind of question everything you're saying rather than going, okay, maybe I should do this. Um, so people that are willing to listen, um, and then apply that, that that's where they'll find the most success. Um, what about women? <laughs> I mean, I, Man, I see women one. on the boat sometimes and they can, they have no experience, but by the end of the day, they, they fish they well. They always do. You know, sometimes you got people, it's not that they're not willing to listen, just people like my dad, they're not able to listen. You know, they're, <laughs> they're hard to hear it. Doesn't hear you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Old people jokes. The old people jokes. <laughs> um, one thing I like about it is like just like whether it's like watching a fish just come up on a dry fly or watching a fish come out and crush a stream or just like so, showing someone like something that you may see on, on it. It's not like an everyday basis, but you, you see pretty often it doesn't really surprise you as much anymore. But when you see someone new that's coming into it, and you know, especially in the summertime when fish are eating like terrestrials, you know, hoppers, beetles, ants, stuff like that, and you see those fish slowly come up to it and they're looking at it and then they slowly sip it, just like watching the whole thing go down. And uh, having someone that's there, like, that has never seen that before and is watching that all there with you, and it just geeks them out. And they're like, that was awesome. You know, mm-hmm. just watching someone get as, get as thrilled about it as you used to be, and it almost makes you even Man, just as much, if not more, thrilled than them. You sometimes, know? you know, I don't care how many fish I've caught, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, he just yeah. ate it. Yeah. yeah. Can you believe he just ate that? Yeah. You get a ton of situations like that. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, the other day, I was fishing with a friend of mine over by my house, and we had a black drum come up on a flat, and he was making a beeline. He wasn't, like, tailing on oysters or anything like that. And uh, we didn't have what we would consider the right fly for a, a black drum. There was some shrimp around, so we had, like, a little shrimp fly. on threw this little shrimp fly in front of this black drum that was, I mean, he was cruising about as fast as I've ever seen a black drum cruise, and he came right behind it and charged it just like a, a redfish would. And both of us were, you know, shocked like we had never, you know, seen a fish eat before because you just sometimes just you, you're not expecting it, you know, whether it's a species thing or whether you just dealt with a bunch of picky fish that day or somebody makes a bad cast, but it's the right fish with the bad cast or whatever. And I think for me, it's, you know, to all those different env- environments, like I love red fishing and I love triple tail fishing, which we've done with Andy and stuff down by us. But it, to me, it's like going in all those different environments, and I haven't, I, I don't think I've caught a freshwater trout in a year and a half because I just don't do it very much, you know? 
and I don't make up, I don't truthfully prioritize it very much. Just happen to be up here for Thanksgiving. And so to me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a day on the water doing something totally different and trying to, you know, Matt, are you a yeller? Are you going to yell at me tomorrow? You don't seem like a yeller. Yeah. Not at all. I'm usually pretty calm. Pretty calm. But uh, we'll see. Watch you mess up and be like, oh, there it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Okay. Don't worry, man. Uh, You'll get it on the next <laughs> yeah. one. So, you know, we're fishing tomorrow. We're, we're doing the, uh, so we're doing the Tacoa. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, and we're, we're drift fishing. Um, but here there's a couple of things I think that are interesting just to wade into a little bit of water here. You guys have, I think the private, the private water thing's really interesting and I would imagine controversial. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can own water in Georgia technically. Yeah, you own the land. You don't you own, own the, the water. Land under the water. So the access to, <laughs> yeah, it is but a lot tough. of states you can. A lot of states like you know you, you might not be able to get out of the stream. You know, yeah, you yeah. can legally you float through it, okay. but as soon as you touch a rock or fish, then you're trespassing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so there's no access to some but, of that, which is interesting to me. I was going to say that you know when we, when we put the GPS trolling motors on our boats, it changed a whole lot of things for us on saltwater. You know, because a lot of times, if I was having to motor the boat, you know, I was busy as a captain trying to work. But when I could put that GPS trolling motor and I didn't have to work about motoring that boat, I could get next to that client (laughs) and really coach and talk Mm -hmm. to them and develop a relationship. I wasn't having to worry about staying on a spot or working, you know, that boat, which you're doing on a drift. You've got to worry some. You've got to move that, maneuver that boat where, where they go on these private waters and can wade. Man, that's a lot of one-on-one attention. It is it's right all there to be able attention. to help you work through your cast, Untangle talk to knots, you, yeah, <laughs> retie my fly, get a your fly out of the tree, <laughs> hold my but, beer. <laughs> but all that is, uh, I think that's kind of a cool feature too, mm-hmm. because to be able to do that, which is different than the float, the float mm-hmm. trips. I'm sure the floats you can just drop anchor. Yeah, right. that's a nice thing. Yeah. But yeah, but you you brought I know you I know you're gonna work hard for us tomorrow yeah, yeah you're gonna be trying to jockey us into positions getting our hunters flies out of the trees <laughs> for sure for sure out of the trees but, but I like that with Kohuta that you have those different levels that you can walk somebody through I really think it's I think it'll be a cool thing like I, I think about some of our clients you know that we built relationship father sons and stuff like that I think that's a, a really cool thing to be able to take somebody because I'm intimidated man I don't know how to fly fish my boy's really starting to get into it but I don't know how to do it well you can fix that mm-hmm. you know you can walk them all the way through that process that's cool yeah, that was like a good little plug for Drew. Drew's eyes lit up a little bit. He's like, call me now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like the, the private water thing and then all the controversy around wild and stocked and all that. T- tell me from your personal view, how do you try to think through all that? Is that is that something that people don't talk a lot about in freshwater world or is it something that people talk a ton about? Because I know in saltwater with stocking programs and habitat restoration and all that, it's controversial. Yeah, the, to me and tell me if i'm if you disagree but um i think it's way cooler when somebody catches a 10 inch wild fish than like a 20 inch stocked fish mm-hmm. and that happens um but i mean it's it's good for people to learn on for sure mm-hmm. um but the wild fish i would definitely say is a lot more rewarding yeah it's fun too like you you hook like a 
like you said, a 10-inch wild fish. It'll fight just as hard as just about a, you know, stockfish, you know, three-quarters of its size. Um, and so also just kind of the look of them. They're just a lot better looking usually. Um, a lot, cool, lot cooler colors. Sometimes they're darker. Sometimes they've got just more enhanced colors like reds on them. Um, but also, you know, that... 10-inch stock or 10-inch wild fish is going to be just as educated as a as a holdover fish that's mm-hmm. been in there a little bit but that holdover fish may be 20 inches and mm-hmm. it was stocked at maybe 12 and it's gotten 20 and got educated through that point but a 10-inch wild fish every bit as smart of it are there big fights within the the trout fishing community over people trying to stop stocking programs and or because no, no, really, really you, you still need that um because i mean a lot of people will come up here and come into the shop um, and just ask him where they can go catch a fish that they can cook and eat it themselves. Because a lot of people come up here and want to eat a trout. They want to be part of the mountain life, I guess you would say. Um, so you Is do... that a sticker on your truck? Mountain <laughs> <No>. life? <laughs> you won't see any of those stickers on my thing. Um, me and a buddy have a thing about that. We try to find the wildest whatever life mm-hmm. stickers and send them to each other. Um, but, yeah, so you really do need those stockings um, just because a lot of fish will die. If the water temperature does get too warm mm-hmm. during the summer, they will die off. Um, so nobody wants to go fishing a river that doesn't have any fish in it. And then, like Matt was saying, you'll get one of those stock fish that does grow over and is that, like, holdover fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just as educated as the wild fish. So you, you really do need those stocking programs, um, whether it's striper in a lake that will run up the river to spawn eventually um, or those trout in the stream that you need on the DH. Mm. All right, a little bit of a topic shift here, because I'm sure that you're saying that people don't debate it. I'm sure I'll have 10 DMs of people ready to debate. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll direct them your way. I'll tell them, <laughs> talk to the guide service manager here. And uh, no, but um, so, you know, one day I'd love to have some sort of travel show, because when I go into different places, I like to eat. I like to try different, you know, desserts and drinks and foods. And y'all got a little pinball place right over here. <laughs> yeah. Unlimited pinball, which I sent a photo to my buddy Vince Degura from Skinny Water Culture, who is deep into the pinball subculture, which is uh, a thing. Oh, he'd have fun over there. Oh, he would have a, I can't wait to bring him up here. I'm going to bring him up here for a gift or something. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. What? How do you, so off the water, Blue Ridge, how do you do it right? What's the, where are you eating, drinking, playing? man hardest parts finding what's open here, yeah honest with you. <laughs> yeah um i mean being such like a town that runs off of so much tourism you get so much so many places that are closed tuesday wednesday even thursday and then you know you find a lot of places that stay open friday saturday sunday you know mm-hmm. through the weekend when there's a lot of traffic around um which i think a lot of that's just just staffing issues um mm-hmm. but you know, uh, there are a few places that'll that'll stay open, like you know, weekday nights. Um, you know, like one, a couple of my favorite places, Misty Mountain Hops, awesome, just little bar kind of up the road. The Dogwood's really cool. Uh, Black Sheep, kind of a cool date night place. Lamb um, lollipops. Yeah, mm-hmm. lamb yeah. lollipops. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going I to Black ate, Sheep no, tomorrow. I ate there yesterday. Sorry, you're not going tomorrow. No, I'm. <laughs> are you? Uh, no, I think that I'm. You going got a tomorrow. date? I think. 
I think my mom's going to watch kids and my wife and I might try to get a reservation there because I'm going to tell them I know Drew. You guys are just <laughs> yeah, yeah. putting on a staff. What about Grumpy Old Man? Is that still open? Grumpy Old Man's good. Yeah, that's one of the breweries. I relate around. with that, man. Mm-hmm. I relate with that. Part. I wish I liked beer more. Like, I mean, I drink beer, but I like, you know, like yeah. I'll probably show up on the boat with Bush Light or something Shoot, like that. Good you know? natty light. Oh, that's yeah, all you I need, mean, man. I wish like... You know, I wish I liked it even more, but I can still appreciate going somewhere and trying something that somebody's proud of. I mean, what about, where where are you eating around town? Black sheep, like he said, but um, honestly, if it's late night, a really good hole in the wall is the Blue Coyote. And Jacob, our manager, is not going to like that answer, but it's It's a good dive bar. It's a really good dive bar. Why Um, won't he like it? He just doesn't like it. I don't know what it is. That's how those craft beer guys are. (laughs) They just don't like anything, you know? That one's right next door to us, too. Yeah. What what, what about... um, That's the last stop of the night. Yeah, the last last stop. stop. Don't don't start there. Mm -hmm. Don't start there. At the Blue Coyote. They got karaoke there that you... Yeah. I think it's it's, Tuesdays. uh, Is it Tuesdays? Tuesdays. Okay, so I know when not to go. Yeah. not too many American idols coming out of Blue Ridge, Georgia. I can tell you that much. Um, where else? What, what are what are some other good places? If you know, doesn't have to necessarily be food, but if you were putting together a list of things for us to do, what would you steer us towards? Uh, you could go hiking. There's a ton of trails around here. Um, Probably wouldn't do it right now, but like you're you're about 45 minutes from two really good just like whitewater rivers you mm-hmm. know um like the tacoa once it crosses into tennessee it turns into the okoe um that's a really cool whitewater whitewater river that you know you kind of explore and see some stuff that you know you're not just sitting there fishing i mean they're they're cool rivers um nanahala that's another one that's one that one's up in north carolina and that's a good one too like you go up there maybe do a whitewater trip in the morning and then in the afternoon there's you know a stretch of delayed harvest river that you could fish uh just above the rafting section there and go over there and catch a couple fish before you head back where where are you staying my dad brought his airstream up here lodging wise you're out of campsite. morganton point morganton point and you said that's nice over by it's nice been over there yet yeah blue ridge they've got it drawn down winter drawdown i guess mm-hmm. well Maybe. it's even lower right now just because they're they're doing some work on the dam i don't know exactly what it is um from what i heard it's something on the lower unit so they're not doing like usually you have a high water and a low water uh basically low water being 150 cfs high water's uh 1500 um right now they're just doing a constant flow of 400 cfs and with as little rain as we've had the river or the lake is actually even crazy like from what i've heard you can't even put in some of the man so yeah i would say so i walked out there and when i was walking i walked around the lake at the water's edge you know of course that is probably down i'm guessing 20 30 feet i don't mm-hmm. know but you could walk out on the points and you could see the b- fish beds mm-hmm. still yeah. on the points where the fish had bedded mm-hmm. during the season and cool. uh and so then there's all the brooks out yeah brush piles brush piles out there sticking you know with concrete blocks and trees mm-hmm. tied to them on dry ground you know but it's i'm gonna strap a rod on and take one of the electric bikes out and try to there you go find something it's low tide Actually, yeah, like, mega low. Low tide. He likes low tide. Yeah, the less water, the less. Water. Does that lake yeah. even get fish like now? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah you can give, definitely go catch some bass out there. Yeah. Crappie, probably. They got crappie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we should, bass, what are the brush crappie. piles are crappie. There's right? walleye in there, too. Walleye, see? That's yeah. what I want to catch. That's all my, I've not caught a walleye yet. I've not caught a walleye. I've seen a couple in the river that's made by jaw drop. Like, I saw one about two weeks ago. I looked down at the bottom, and if I didn't know any better, I would have thought it was a striper. It was oh, really? so big. I was like... I was kind of like, what is that? Man, I tried to catch one in August and I did, in, in Arkansas in April, and I didn't. But that's on my list, uh, man. John. I'll probably sight fish one today off the e-bike with my <laughs> the e-bike. Just go over there by the dam, yeah. above the dam, and drop it down deep. Yeah, but and I'm staying at an Airbnb. I'll put links to all the stuff we're talking about. But I'm staying at a nice Airbnb, so it's got – it's got a little fire pit and everything, and it's it's a it's definitely a great place I think to take a family up here. There's y'all have y'all have an awesome downtown park. My little kids mm-hmm. went there and played at that. Y'all got some sort of Santa train experience that I'm missing. Yeah. Y'all got it. Yeah. What y'all need the is some wineries. Play Santa, or <laughs> that's okay. Andy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that white beard. <laughs> Andy's uh, Andy Andy's got that big white beard, but he's he's a little slim for you. He looks like slim fast Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> Body positive. Um, no, but uh, man, this is such a great place, man. I appreciate y'all for hanging out with us. We're looking forward to getting on the water and, and enjoying Blue Ridge. It's becoming a becoming a more regular spot for us so thanks for cool. carving out right some time yeah. yeah man for sure appreciate you having us that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv one of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment